Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of True to the Cougs, brought to you by the Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick of KoogFan.com. With me, as always, my partner, Marcus Trufant, Seahawk and Coog legend. Marcus, how's it going? What's up, my man? I am chilling. I'm doing well. Uh, enjoying another Coog victory, so I'm chilling, man. I'm good. I'm straight. I'm cold. I'll just say that. It's cold here. Uh, in Pullman, we're about 25 degrees, and I know not everyone else, not everyone will be able to see, but Marcus is right now, he's got the tie on. He's got no hat. I look like I just walked out of the gym because I did. Get, get my shots up, uh, playing a little basketball. But, uh, Marcus, where'd you watch the game this past weekend? This past weekend, as usual, I'm on daddy duty. So I'm uh, working, I'm, I'm driving, or I'm making it happen. So I listen to the game or um, I record the game and come back. So there was no big bets on the game this week. I was kind of jammed up. But if I was to bet – Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source of all your sports and betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchups, info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. As your continued source of all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head to betonline.ag and join and receive 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make, make sure you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. You heard the man. You heard the man. And I was, of course, watching in Martin Stadium covering that game. But let's talk about it. Win number six, the Cougs do what they need to do to get that uh, that get that important sixth win. They are going to be bowling. Uh, we obviously won't know that for another couple of weeks. Um, a lot of predictions right now say the Los Angeles Bowl, um, but I have seen the Vegas Bowl. I've seen, uh, I think, the Military Bowl, the or the First Responders Bowl. So a lot of different ways this could go. Um, <clears throat> it'll kind of depend on how they finish the season, but kind of a tale of two halves for the Cougs. 28-0 Washington State in the first half, 18-0 Arizona State in the second half. They had thankfully done enough to, to put themselves up, but maybe not the crispest second half. Kind of got complacent and uh, let ASU get back into it. Yeah, man, I don't know if um, to – I don't know. Is this something that we come to expect from the Cougs? I know they play a lot of good football. They show a lot of great flashes, but I think consistency has been one of those things that's kind of been there this season, right? They play really good football on offense and maybe the defense is struggling or they come back and play the game like they did against ASU where they come out and go crazy in the first half, of course. And then the second half, they don't do much. They don't get many yards. And it's not like they're not focused or they're not just making it happen. Maybe they were trying to just burn the clock up and get out of there, but it really didn't look good. But but you know what, W is a W, so we just got to accept kind of where we're at, man, and keep rolling. And um, the Cougs, they get it together when they need to. Um, I don't know if there's been one game, Jamie, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that they've played all the way through and they've just played a, 
uh, I guess, a hell of a game for all four quarters. I don't know if we've seen that yet. And that could be a good thing. And maybe we show up in a bowl game and we make that happen. But, um, yeah, it was one of those games, a tale of two halves, right? Right. And I think, you know, um, it's uh, the cow game kind of comes to mind. They, they, you know, even then they were only up seven, three at half. I mean, the Stanford game is tough because I, th- I think they rightfully took their foot off the gas in the second half. When you, when you're up 42, seven, you don't need to be, you know, really emphasizing getting guys hurt. Um, but no, I mean, the, the kind of one of the issues they've had is they have not been able to really play through two halves. Um, and you know, and they, they've either done enough in the first half or done enough in the second half to get away with it. But you know, it, it's one of those where you got up by enough and you made enough plays. Arizona and Washington won't be as forgiving. I mean, those are offenses that are a lot better than Arizona State's. Um, they're just better teams than Arizona State. So I think we'll have to wait and see. And obviously, we'll get into that here in a few minutes. But at the end of the day, and this is what Jake Dickard emphasized, is, you know, you, you strip away everything that happened. Oh, we didn't get it. We didn't play a good second half. They won. They got the sixth win. They get the extra practice. Oh, they get to go bowling. You know, and I think it's uh, Hook fans have maybe even been spoiled by the last couple of years where, you know, it's, oh, well, we want, we got to a bowl this way. It's like prior to this stretch, seven straight bowl games now, um, excluding the COVID year, Washington State had only made 11 bowl games, period. So it's, you know, it's almost, I was joking with someone. Uh, it's funny that we're complaining about the way we got to a bowl game when this used to never be an occasion. The Cougars didn't go to bowl games. I mean, your era when you were a player and and this era has accounted for most of the bowl games Washington State has been to. So I think, you know, it's one of those where you have to put it in perspective and say, look, they lost a ton off their offense. They've had a ton of injuries. And yet here they are. They're going back to a bowl game. Right. And you got to be thankful, man. I know Thanksgiving is coming up. So I remember a time um, I was on a cool team, um, I believe it was my freshman year, and we only won three games, right? That might have been my freshman year. Uh, Steve Birnbaum was the quarterback and uh, Coach Price was the head coach. So a long time ago, but it doesn't matter how you get to a bowl as long as you get to a bowl. It helps with the um, – it definitely helps – it's just on the recruiting side, right? Because I know all the kids these days, everybody wants the exposure. Everybody wants to be on TV. Everybody's going to the NFL, right? So it definitely um, helps with guys wanting to come over to the Cougs and play football. So, um, yeah, man, I'm right there with you. It didn't necessarily look exactly how we wanted to look, but we talked about this last week, just taking care of business, man, and make sure we win this game to give us a little cushion it, it, it just in case we needed it. It just so happened that uh, – things worked out and we was able to slide into this bowl game. So it all worked out. Right. I mean, I think as we've talked about what you didn't want to be doing is going into the last two games, needing a win. You get obviously the emotional game against Arizona, which we'll get to. And then um, the apple cup against what is a begrudgingly a very good Washington team. So you wanted to take care of the, the wins now against the two weaker opponents. And now it's like, okay, obviously you still want to win. You want to get to a better bowl game but you're not playing for your postseason life. You've got that wrapped up. You can at least take that off your mind a little bit. But, you know, I, I thought that, again, in the first half, I thought the offense was great. They did a lot of good things with with motion. They did some good movement. Um, you know, a lot of deception. I thought the blocking was good. Then, again, the injuries hit. Rob Farrell leaves with an injury. Maki Fafita leaves with an injury. And then things start to fall apart. And then I just I didn't think the play calling was very good. Um, and then kind of with the defense, you know, I thought they played 55 good minutes. They had the one broken play on the fourth down touchdown. 
And then I think they got gassed a little bit on when those last couple minutes, maybe, you know, got lost focus because they were up by a bunch. But I mean, the Cougars secondary continues to be just brilliant. And uh, I believe they're under 20 points per game allowed now, uh, which I mean, it, it's one of the best defenses we've seen. And probably since your era of playing there um, with, with Doba and with Price, I mean, it just hasn't been a team that's been known for defense and, and they're, they're quite good at it this year. Right, very opportunistic, man. They're getting to the ball, man, getting plays on um, – they're picking up fumbles, getting the ball on the ground, getting to the quarterback, doing all that, getting interceptions, man. They kind of – I did a little bit of uh, – just of everything in the secondary in that game. And um, to take it back to the offense, Nakia Watson, man, I want to talk about the running game. And you talk about the cool grade and everything they do with the pass, a bunch of trick stuff and the motioning and the reverses and the – um, and the Chris Krause applesauce, all that kind of stuff. But it really it came down to the running game. And I think that's why they came out so strong in that first half, man. That um, I know the running game was on point. And, um, and Nakia Watson, I don't know how many touchdowns he ended up with, but it had to be at least uh, three or four, right? Um, yep, I know yeah, three. A lot, yeah. So that was a very good look. I know he went over 100 yards. And that's the balance that the Cougs need. And um, if they want to find any type, the type of consistency, and that's what it's going to take. Yeah, and I think, you know, Dickert said as much, getting Nakia back is his kind of changed the way they can run their offense. I mean, he's he's playing the best football of his career right now, but um, no, I think it's a team that's that's clearly dependent. Not, I don't want to say dependent, but they're going to win. They're more than happy to win a game, 21-18 if they have to, and just rely on the defense. Um, and I think the defense has shown you, really with the exception of the Oregon game, they're going to keep teams to around 20 to 24 points. And if the offense can surpass that, there's a good chance they win. Um, they've only given up 30 or more twice this year. One was to USC and the other was to Oregon. Everything else has been under 30 and, uh, you know, two very, very high-powered offenses coming with Arizona and Washington. But, you know, they've taken on good teams and they have shut down good teams. Right. Even though um... – your boy from Arizona State, and I'm talking about Valaday, did go 21 for 134, and he looked really good. And I think he, he may lead um, – does he lead the pack, or does he he lead what, I guess, in rushing yards? He's uh, He is second in the pack to UCLA, Zach Charbonnet. Okay, yep, because he looked um, really good. But even mm-hmm. with that, the um, clues were able to shut them down, and I think it came down to, to getting off on third down, especially in the first half. Right, and uh, Arizona State was 0 for – on third down for really most of the game. And Valaday, a lot of what he did came late. And he's a good back, but, you know, I think the big thing, when you look at that stat line, as you said, he had a good day. And he definitely did have a good day, but he wasn't breaking off the big 40-yard runs in the first half. That I mean, this all came late when Washington State was kind of, you know, lackadaisical. Um, I thought they did a good job containing him. I thought the guy they did an excellent job on was Elijah Badger. Badger came into the game, I think it was in the top, maybe three or four in the in the conference in receiving and was really having a, a very good year. And he was held five catches, 48 yards. And a lot of that came late in the game. He had a couple late catches. Um, but this is a guy who is last three games, 118, 137, 83 yards, and then just 48. So, I mean, credit to the secondary. I think as you, as you probably saw, uh, Derek Langford, I thought, had his best game of the year. And Shaw Smith-Wade remains probably the best corner in the Pac-12 and one of the best ones in the entire country. Um, just game in, game out, continues to get better and had a great interception in which he sits in his zone, he reads the quarterback's eyes, he jumps the route, and he brings the ball back to the five-yard line. Right, and you jump it and you make sure you catch it because that was a body catch. I like those sometimes. It's a, 
the cold outside. I know your fingers get a little chilly out there in Pullman. I remember when. So yeah, you uh, you go out there and make that body catch, and you try to get into the end zone. And he got down there close to the end zone. I think he started feeling himself a little bit. Like okay, I'm gonna skip around a little bit right here and try to sneak in. But he had a hell of a day, man. And he was even getting to the quarterback. I know they brought him on some corner blitzes and did some different things. So big side out to the secondary. Great job. We now move into the preview of Arizona, and this will be quite the game. Arizona stunning UCLA in Westwood last week uh, to keep their bowl hopes alive, but obviously the storyline in there on this game is Jaden Delora, the former Coug quarterback who has already made headwaves the, after the game. He was asked, uh, you know, what's excited, and he gave kind of a stare down at the camera, nodded a few times, said, just watch. And then he got asked about what he remembers of his time at Wazoo, he talked only about the coaches that had gotten fired for the vaccine mandate, Nick Rolovich, uh, Craig Stutzman, John Richardson, Ricky Longo, Mark Weber. Uh, did not mention any of the current coaching staff, did not mention any of his teammates, didn't even mention some of the guys, some of his offensive coaches who stayed on last year, like Brian Smith or Andre Allen, um, and then finished that by saying it's personal. Obviously, the Coug players talked to a couple in the last couple of days, talked to Dickert. They're taking the high road. They're not responding to, to anything he says, but – there's going to be some emotions in this game. I, I don't think there's any way there's not. I'm expecting it to get a little chippy and uh, uh, a little spicy out there. And sometimes that's good, man. A little build up to the game, man. And talking a little bit, I think it uh, gives the program, um, it gives them some legs and it's something to talk about in the media. But I think it's good and it's a learning experience to be able to block out the noise and still come out and play football. Yeah, if you want to come out, you want to get the victory. You want to put a hurt on the quarterback, of course, for kind of talking a little bit of trash. But um, I know as far as Arizona, if they want to come out and they want to show well, right? I know they want to show well. Um, quarterback, of course, he wants to get back. He, he wants to prove everybody wrong and let them know that um, – He's the man. He he could have still been here and did all this kind of different stuff. So um, I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be exciting. And uh, the Cougs should be able to come out on top, man, because they're a much better team. Right. And I think the one thing, you know, that probably provides concern, concern for Arizona is, you know, can they match the emotions and the intensity of that UCLA game? And they had to basically play a perfect game to win that. And the Wildcats are as bad as it gets against the run. I mean, we're talking like 124th in the country. They get carved up on the ground. The opportunity there for Nakia Watson, I think it's just going to come down to the emotions of the game. You know, if Delora gets to, I mean, we've seen in the past, he can get very high and very low. I mean, I don't think it's impossible that he comes out way too amped, tries to, you know, take over the world and makes mistakes. It's also possible he takes a level-headed approach and plays a good game. Um, and I think the same's for the Cougar S rushers. You know, you want to stick them. You, you're going to want to hit them, but it's legal. You you not you don't want to cheap shot them for so many reasons. You don't want to play dirty, but that's 15 yards. You know, don't you don't want the roughing the passer penalties. You don't. I mean, if you want you want to make an impact. You want to make yourself heard. You you get a good hit on him, but you do so cleanly and you don't engage in the trash talk. I know Arizona likes to talk trash. Um, Delora does. We've, I've seen some of their games. They like to talk. They like to, you know, to bark a little bit. Don't get involved in that. Just play your game. And as, as Dickert said yesterday, we're playing a team. We're not playing one guy. And um, Nakia Watson said today, we turn, we tune that out. And, uh, you know, Brennan Jackson talked to him and he said, you know, uh, he's obviously a fierce, Jaden's a fierce competitor, but, you know, they, they didn't engage. And I wouldn't think they would. I mean, I, I don't think that's, the way Dickert runs his program to have guys engage like that. 
Because um, quite frankly, I think Dolores' comments were were petty and they were childish. And I understand there's a lot of emotions and he probably feels like, uh, like you know, Rolovich got done wrong here. They were very close. And um, but I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a little bizarre not to even mention, you know, when someone asked you, what do you remember about Wazoo? I thought it was a little odd not to mention, you know, his teammates when he was very close with a lot of them. Right, man. It just comes with uh, you can't really put your finger on people's emotions, right? If you're going to feel a certain way about certain things, you're not there anymore. Your coach isn't there anymore. That He was fired under these type of circumstances, all that kind of stuff. There's going to be something there. So he's wearing his emotions on his sleeve. And like you said, that could be to his detriment. And you come into the game a little too fired up and you're doing things that you normally don't do when try to try um, a little bit too hard. Um, I think it can hurt you. But for the Cougs, they should not feed into it. But if they do, I've seen it. Um, I've seen it with my own eyes. And I'm going back to my days of playing, talking about Apple Cups, that people get too fired up, they get too crazy, and they kind of just lose their mind. So I don't think this is going to happen with this cool team. I think they're coached too well. They're too locked in. And they're ready to play ball, man. So I think it's bigger, uh, it's bigger than just, I mean, a couple petty words, just like you said. Right, right. And I think for Washington State, I mean, I'm sure that there's the – the, the thought of, you know, we want to end their season and their postseason. And, you know, but as you said, I, I think they're too well coached. I mean, I, I just don't think a Jake Dickert coach team with his maturity and the way he views things, I don't think he's going to let them get, you know, into the the off the field talk and, the, you know, the emotions and the external factors. He's going to have them play their game. And, and I, I do genuinely believe that just because of what type of coach Dickert is. Now, I don't know if every coach is like that. You know, some coaches will say, we want you feeding into that and, you know, taking the heat, but that's just not the way he is. And, and I do think that'll help because I do think Arizona is going to come out probably hot. And that's going to be the other big thing. The Cougars are probably going to get Arizona's best punch in the first few minutes. They're going to come out fast. They're going to come out fiery. They're going to come out with some intensity. Washington State needs to weather that storm because if they can rattle them a little bit, get them wobbling, there's a good chance you can get them kind of stumbling backwards and start running it down their throat. 100% agree. And I agree with the running game, man. I think that's where it starts for the Cougars. If they can get some consistency, take some time off the clock, man, and just beat down all that aggression that they're going to have in the beginning, I think they'd be all right. Simple math. Moving on into the next segment after Arizona. Um one thing I want to ask you about is, you know, when you were in college, there wasn't so much. I mean, guys transferred, but it wasn't like it is today where the transfer portal basically becomes free agency. But when you're in the league, I mean, guys, you play against guys that you used to play with. I mean, uh, particularly uh, receivers. You know, I, I'm sure they were matchups with guys like Daryl Jackson and Corin Robinson, guys that you were teammates with. Obviously, and I, I don't know your relationship with them. I don't know how you guys got along, et cetera, but. When you face an old teammate, how do you find that balance of, I want to, you know, I want to win this matchup. There's a lot of, you know, emotion in this, but my job is to win the game. Right. I think it comes down to the respect of the game, right? And you respect the uh, craft and you respect the um, skill. I know you know this guy, but between the lines, I mean, it's about getting the W, man. And you go as hard as you can and you do everything you need to do that you don't want to play dirty, but and you're going to go to the limit, right? And you're going to uh, toe that line and you're going to push that edge. And that's what it comes down to about who can really execute the best. It's not about 
these one-on-one battles and uh, and you playing against your old teammate. It's about staying within your game I mean, and not getting distracted and being consistent. And it always starts with the little things about the technique, about your um, at your alignment and assignment, uh, being in the right spot and doing all these right things. When you step outside of that and you make it about just you and this guy in front of you, that's when you can get in trouble. So I think you got to keep your focus and you got to step out of that emotion and kind of still play within that team uh, framework. Do you remember a specific example of playing against someone where you kind of had to have that mindset? Um, I played against my brother, man. I played against my middle brother. I'm not sure what year it was, but he was playing for the New York Jets and I was with the Seahawks and he was on the punt team as a gunner and I was the corner and we went against each other and um, something happened. I, I turned my back or something and the other, uh, and he ended up hurting his knee that game. So, of course, I was worried about him myself like that. But we talked trash that whole week up to the game. You know, if, if, if you come out there, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that. And it's all that kind of good stuff. It was good, clean, fun. But you want to – if you want to do what's best for the team and you go out there and you want to show and prove it, we all got a job to do, man. It's really a job. So, I know that you have these relationships on the field. But once you get out there – the gloves kind of come off and you hit a switch. I know I used to hit a switch. I would play it. I'm a nice dude. I'm a real chill guy. I'm laid back, but I would hit a switch on the field and I would become this guy or I would have to become this um, figure in order to not be um, prey, right? And you got predators and prey. So I would go out there and I would try to make it happen, man. And it's the same with family and friends when you're playing against them and you got to get the dub. You probably heard from, uh, from Mama Trufant as well, don't beat up on your brother now. You're the oldest. <laughs> 100%. But, yeah, uh, moms was half and half jerseys and all that kind of stuff. So, once again, it was a family thing, but you still want to go out there and do your job. Right, right. Uh, let's talk Pac-12 a little bit. I mean, I, I think that the uh, the big storyline is Washington stuns Oregon. I mean, just a, a, a truly fantastic performance by the Huskies, and I think the Ducks are going to want that one back. Dan Lanning has come out and said he made some mistakes in that game, but I mean, kind of shifts the balance of power in the Pac-12, um, takes the Ducks out of the playoff picture. You're still probably looking at a scenario where this week you've got Oregon and Utah, you've got UCLA and USC. The winners of those games still probably go to the conference championship. Um, <clears throat> just because of how it plays out with the tiebreakers, uh, I think Oregon now has two losses, or excuse me, Oregon, USC, and Utah all have one loss. UCLA has two, but UCLA beats USC. They've got two. USC's got two. UCLA would have the tiebreaker. UCLA beats would have, or UCLA has a tiebreaker over Utah. It's a mess. It, it, you could end up with a four-way tie. You could end up with a five-way tie. I think where you have five teams, seven and two, uh, with Washington included. I do think the Huskies. It's almost impossible for them to get there because they have that loss to Arizona State that I think hurts them in the tiebreakers. But, um, you know, we said last week Oregon wins the Pac-12. Do you still believe that? Um, hey, man, it's hard to say now, man. Uh, you talk about all these ties and all this thing going on, man. It's going to be crazy to see how this thing shakes out. And am I um, – I don't know if I'm a bad coog if I was rooting for the Huskies, I guess. You are. No, you are. I, I- I can Everybody confirm. hates Oregon, though, right? So what am I supposed to no, do? No, it's not the same. I, uh, you know what? Actually, I don't hate Oregon for whatever reason. Maybe it's because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But I was out. I was at the Coug after the uh, after the Coug game, and there were people in Wazoo gear there 
cheering for the Huskies. And look, if you want to do that, take it outside the Coug, not in the Coug. That's a sacred ground. Everybody hates Oregon. I think that's a universal thing, my guy. Well, maybe. I was cheering for Oregon very, very openly. But, uh, no, credit to Washington. They they made the plays, and um, they came up with the stuff. So, I mean, they they deserve – they're a good team. And, and Penix is a really good quarterback, and um, they certainly exceeded all of my expectations. I thought they'd be about 6-6. Six and six, Seven and five, maybe eight and four. I did not foresee them uh, being, was it eight and two now? And certainly did not see them beating Oregon on the road. But uh, obviously, Kalen DeBoer, probably the Pac 12 coach of the year, uh, him or Jonathan Smith, and he, he's done a good job. Um, I still think Oregon wins the pack. I still think they are the best team. I think they had a bad game um, and lost to a really good team. But I think Oregon beats Utah. I think they beat the Beavs. And then I think they beat one of the LA schools in the conference title game. And I, would I would definitely agree with that. I like Oregon. And uh, just like you said, I think they had a bad game. And the Huskies are a good team. If mm-hmm. you let a good team hang around, you never know exactly what can happen. So I think it was one of those type of games. Right. And, and UCLA was in the driver's seat. Then they lose to Arizona. So who knows? I mean, the conference is weird. Every, I think they completed the wheel now where everyone, if you do like the, I think it was the transitive property. Um, everyone has beaten like it's like a wheel. Team X beat this team who beat this team who beat this team who beat this team because Oregon was the only one without a Pac-12 loss. So now it's it it's the wheel. I think they called it the wheel of suck or something. Because, um, but yeah, no, I mean the Pac-12 certainly on life support for the playoff. The USC would have to probably win out and get a little help. I think they were seven today in the the college football playoff, but um, we'll see. We we will certainly see on that. Moving into segment six, um. Talk a little, well, we'll mention the Coug basketball team. They are not in a good spot right now. Lost to Boise State on Saturday. Didn't get a chance to watch that. She was doing the football work. And then uh, part of this Pac-12 SWAC Legacy Series lost to Prairie View A&M, who's like number 295 in the net. Bad, bad loss. This hmm. I mean, this Pac-12 SWAC Series, you know, put is put on to kind of, you know, promote, uh, promote anti-racism. And, and it really has this powerful message that goes way beyond basketball. The problem is all three Pac-12 teams that went on the road lost. Damn, yeah, that's tough. How did the game look, Jamie? Did it looked bad, it? Marcus. It looked bad. Cougars couldn't. I mean, to the to the defense of Washington State, they're they're down four players they expected to have this year, um, for various reasons. They're playing a lot of freshmen, but it was it was not a pretty sight. They've got a got six days off before they play Eastern Washington on Monday, and they got some things to fix. I trust Kyle Smith. I think he's a really good coach, but. He's got things to fix. We're a women's basketball school, though, now. They're 3-0. and Okay, right? That's, it's okay. Yeah. Exactly. And, and and women's volleyball. And volleyball, 19-8. and eight. Uh, They close with four straight home games. Then we'll be off to the postseason. Um, meant to ask you, did you get up for the Seahawks game on Sunday morning? I got up um, to make sure that I had it on record, and then I went to <laughs> sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's – that's it great. Game, it was a crazy game, man. It kind of went back and forth. I thought the um, Hawks were going to play a little bit better on offense. It didn't happen, but it was a good game, though. It was a good game. A good game to be in Germany and do all that kind of stuff. I didn't go. Uh, I got a bad back. I had some things going on, so the flight really wouldn't have worked out for me. But uh, I did watch it, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, I don't have DVR, and I was not getting up at 630. So I got live text from my brother, um, right. who, saw, who was mostly happy about the Tariq Woolen pick, but – yeah, sounds like uh, just uh, the Tom Brady effect. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, he was, what, a four-year veteran when you started playing and he's still going? 
Tom Brady was, uh, yeah, a couple years before me. And, um, yeah, the guy is amazing, man. He, um, his, his uh, football IQ and just he, he, he leans into what he does best, man. He gets the ball out quick. Um, he, he's not trying to run around and do things. He just takes what the defense gives him, and he just plays a solid game, man, and keeps it there. We got him flustered and he came out to line up at wide receiver uh and you talked about the interception and stuff like that they shouldn't be doing stuff like that with brady man the man's almost 50 years old and you're gonna try to throw him a pass out there don't do it stop it stop it what uh what richard sherman used to say you crazy throwing the ball my way you crazy throwing the ball Tariq's way right now <laughs> you mad <laughs> yeah. you you weren't on that team right the the you mad bro team right it was uh, right after no. you were done I was not. Yeah, I think I was at the house. That was uh, was that the Super Bowl year, right? No, I think that was that was Russell's rookie year. So that was twenty twelve. Okay, I was there then. Yeah, I was there. Yep. Let's talk oh, about that's right. okay. So yeah, twenty twelve. Okay, there. I thought I had that right. I thought I, I was on my way out though. I had my bags packed. Uh, I wasn't going yet though. But cool. <laughs> mentor and mentor and Sherm a little bit. Yeah, you taught him how to yep. trash talk, right? I mean, that's all you. Of course he learned that from me. He learned everything. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, Richard's my guy. He's a hell of a player. And he's doing a damn good job right now, man, doing the commentating, doing the stuff like that. So he's big shout great. out. He's great. Um, I always remember thinking when he was playing, oh, man, you get this guy on TV after he's done. He's kind of – people are going to love him. But high energy he, doesn't hold back. So, no. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you saw after the uh, – I think when the Broncos lost on Thursday night football a couple weeks ago, and he's he's yelling about running the dang ball. Let them happen. Yeah, yep, that one brought back some tough memories, but that's all right. Well, uh, I digress. Anyways, thank you for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant, brought to you by the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on Twitter, Instagram, and all your social media outlets, and make sure to check me out on CougFan.com. That is a shameless plug, and I am not ashamed of it. But as always, we'll close it out with a Go Cougs. Go Cougs, baby! Go Cougs. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.